I feel like anything that I say would have already been said. However, I would be remiss if I did not thank the team, uh, Alex, uh, who is just such a cutie, and um, also, um, and Gracie. Um. This is Sharon Wiley at the uh, the last meeting of the D.C. Reeves mayoral transition team. Sharon Wiley calling Alex Smith, who is his chief of staff and also was kind of the, uh, you know, the the group whisperer basically running that organization. Uh, we mentioned this before, then Tommy Leiter, Tommy Leiter picked up on it. Yeah, you know, how many times you say thank you? I do appreciate it, Jordan. Of course, Alex, I'm not going to call you a cutie, but... <laughs> <laughs> and Ethan Mayer Reeves. staff to Alex, I will call him a cutie, but... Uh, uh, and I did get a text from Alex, he's like, thanks, bro. <laughs> how many times? So I did want to ask, now that we have D.C. Reeves on the line, Mayor Reeves, uh, welcome back to the Pensacola Morning news okay be honest how many times have you texted and or called or uh, is this now his permanent label is alex cutie well look you know when you get handed uh, situations like this uh, scenarios like this you have to keep them rolling as long as possible you know so uh, we'll we'll get as much life out of this in the office as we can of course <laughs> I, I feel like this the, the residents and the taxpayers deserve that yeah no i think that's that's appropriate use of time i, I appreciate that by the way you are <laughs> pardon me this is so obvious i can't believe i'm going to take the opportunity but you're dc in dc today right yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm at the U.S. Conference of Mayors uh, that just got started this morning, and um, you know, I was I was mentioning um, this is I really have to keep my head on a swivel here because people keep saying D.C. and then I think they're talking about me, and then I realize <laughs> that there's a much larger uh, reference uh, of D.C. that not the mayor of Pensacola, Florida, but like the city that we're in. So, uh, so I, it's been a little bit of an adjustment period, kind of. Uh, you know, like jet lag, you know, I'm getting used to it. That's a fun. I wouldn't even think about that, but that's so funny. All right, let's talk about some things, uh, particularly that transition report. I have not read it all. I've read uh, 75% or so of it. I'm not quite done with it yet. Um, or I should say, can I be honest? I, I skimmed a lot of it because, frankly, what I wanted was the proposals, and there's a lot of other text and the people did great work wonderful stuff uh i'm not sure that the other text does as much as the proposals is really the thing that we were looking for here one of the proposals that stood out to me was obviously the affordable housing stuff was very important and it's a little bit of a shotgun approach let's kind of do everything but the 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 big takeaways to me was you know looking into the question of short-term rentals and how much they are or not affecting supply looking at the possibility of a housing trust fund and a community land trust what was your takeaway thoughts about the recommendations in the housing in the the housing section of the transition report? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think what what I read and, and what reinforces kind of our position is the you know it's really right now to be focused on the the rental portion of upping our inventory, both for you know people at eighty percent of the median income and below, as well as as getting more units, period, for our community. I think, you know, it's not to say that people don't have the American dream as we know it, you know, which is to buy the, buy a home. You know, I totally get that. Um, that It doesn't, it doesn't uh, discount the, how important that is to people and the families. But that being said, we're in a crisis right now. And, and, and rental is not only, I believe, easier to get online at scale, but it also is much easier to keep it in a table house. You know, I mean, it's a rental, you know, and part of the restriction on this rental is that it stays at a certain rate based on whether it's a tax incentive or a subsidy or whatever the case may be. 
um, it's just easier. When you sell a home that was affordable, it, the clawbacks to keep that in that affordable pool are much more difficult. You know, okay. after five years, six years, seven years, you know, it makes it a little bit harder to, to say, hey, Andrew, we sold you this house based on your income, and then now you, you're not allowed to go sell it for what you want to sell it for. It can be done, but it's just much more difficult. And so we're going to take a real hard focus on getting rental units up and online in the city of Pensacola. And so I'm presuming that that would mean finding, you know, places where the zoning aligns, where you can put in multiple units. And of course, that translates into affordable housing, but that also translates into things like increased traffic and congestion in those particular areas. Uh, But I mean, do I basically have it right? What you're thinking about doing is finding places where you can facilitate that multi-unit build? Yeah, absolutely. And, and actually, I'll, I'll take it a step further in that in the in the legislature, House Bill, I believe it's 1339, came out two years ago. And what it allows municipalities to do is any property that's owned by the municipality um, can actually upzone or add density to its own property if it's used for attainable housing. Really? And obviously. You, that, so like that, without that, without that, having to go through, I'm pardon, but for, without having to go through the normal upzoning process? Correct. The normal standard variances, those kinds huh. of things. Now, you know, look, that's a lot to unpack, right? I mean, you, you don't want to go build a nine-story building, you know, in, in, in a residential area just because you can. It doesn't mean that's what you're going to do. But what I'm saying is the spirit of that, that bill makes sense to me because what we're, what our argument is, look, we're all in this crisis, and you know how long something like that would take yeah. to be able to put three units on a piece of property instead of two. You know, and, and I guess basically the state government saying, hey, look, we trust the municipality to make sure that it, we're, they're trying to fill needs here. And it can't be a two year process for for that, you know, right at this moment. And so right. we're going to look into that. You know, I don't I don't have every nuanced study, but I St. Pete is already doing this. Um, I think there's one other city. I forget which one in Florida uh, that that's really taken a hold of this. And so it's something that I know, uh, you know, our housing team and, uh, um, you know, our staff is looking into very, very uh uh, very, very deeply, just because we think that that's really an opportunity. Because building one house at a time is not going to get it done. Right. I mean, it's just right. not. And, and, and so we've got to figure out a way outside the box to be able to start getting some of these units online. No, that's fascinating. I can imagine people who live near parcels that are city-owned, that are either vacant or just city-owned for whatever reason, might be hearing this and thinking, "Uh-oh." But also, that's the nature of the problem we're in. Is and it makes sense. I, I did not realize that bill existed. So that's a very fascinating one. DC, you are going to be going to Harvard twice. Tell people why. Yeah, um, I'm really honored to be picked by the uh, Harvard Graduate School of Design, as well as the Mayor's Institute on City Design, um, to that uh, as a as a fellow for their Just City Initiative. And uh, what that focuses on is they look for different uh, scenarios within cities that uh, you know might have been designed. Um, without really a focus on equity, typically things that happened decades ago. The example I did is, and, and we have in our community with inter- I-110, um, is, you know, an interstate uh, that has been built through, uh, you know, historically minority community. And what this focuses on is it's a design fellowship. So it's kind of saying, hey, here are some situations that you might see in your community, and here are ways that you can design around them. So it's uh, – you know, I've been telling people this is not a uh, political fellowship. What we're talking about here is here are situations that have been handed to cities over, you know, decisions that were made 50 plus years ago. Um, how do we make those right? And how can we do it in a modern, thoughtful uh, and innovative way? And so 
I'm excited to be part of that. Uh, I get to go yeah, again to Harvard in February and April. And what's really cool, too, is that we're able to have two of our staff members. Um, so I've got our CRA urban design specialist, Rachel Bennett, and I've got our uh, transportation planner, Caitlin Serain, that will be part of this group oh, during cool. the hybrid portion of that So as well. So it's not just uh, me sitting in these meetings. We've got people, you know, that who, who really would be, you know, taking some kind of initiative like this to the forefront and, and getting it across the finish line, they'll get to be part of it as well. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. What a really cool opportunity. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you is now we're into 2023 and the law the legislature passed that allows the city or county to put all of its public notices out of the newspaper, but into an online format only, which would be a, you know, relatively significant cost savings. I know for the counties and certainly for the city as well. Are you guys intending to stop putting it in the PNJ? Or are you going to keep putting it in the PNJ? What's the city's plan at this point? I, I, I'll look more into that. I don't have any intent to change that. And, and let me just tell you why. My personal experience at helping small business owners, um, having to get community feedback on projects like Bruce Beach or the Hashtag Project, things that I've dealt with, you know, as, as Quint Suter's chief of staff, I believe a, the proactive approach of getting the word out to people is the way to go, um, not not the check-a-box approach where you say, oh, well, as long as I've done the minimum I have to do, then, you know, I, I mean, the idea of, of putting this out, in my opinion, is to make sure that as many people in your community who'd be interested to hear about it get to hear about it. So um, I wouldn't be curtailing any version, be it newspaper, online, or otherwise, I wouldn't be looking to curtail our ability or our citizens' ability to know what's going on at City Hall. I mean, I, I just feel like that's our duty. Um, so I would, I would continue, to, even if we don't have the same requirement, I would continue, uh, at, at least for the foreseeable future, um, doing it the way we're doing it now. Okay, interesting. Well, we'll look forward to, you know, maybe future conversation about that or, you know, as you guys re- reassess the possibility. Uh, finally, the lightning round, we like to ask you questions like, in your coffee, when you have to stir it, do you use the plastic stirrer, the wooden stirrer, a spoon or a fork or something else? Uh, whatever's the closest. I mean, I would love <laughs> to say I, I delineate between, you know, like, uh, I'm like, uh, you know, give me a little bit of milk. Let's get this thing stirred up and going. Have you ever used your finger? Be honest. Of course. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know desperate times call for desperate measures. You, know? so, you find out how hot the coffee is, too. That's the other issue. Um, it is national. Exactly. It's National Winnie the Pooh Day, the birthday of A.A. A. Milne. Uh, you read the books, you watched the movie, or none of the above? Oh, all of it. All oh, big. That, I was a big Winnie the Pooh guy uh, back in the day, you know? Aww. I mean, back, back in those... Uh, the, the non-flat screen TV days, the VCR days, yes. you know, I'm, I'm reminiscing, um, of course, uh, a big winning proof fan. Well, the wonderful thing about Tiggers. Uh, and lastly, uh, and, and this this may veer into dangerous territory for you, but do you like king cake? Ooh, uh, yeah, actually. I mean, you know, as a change-up. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't really remember it's around till this time of year, and then I'll see it and... You know, I do have a sweet tooth, so okay. um, I, you know I discriminate against very few sugared items. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I'm, all right, but the I, fo- know, the follow up the follow up is, but what do you do with baby Jesus? Do you keep him or throw him out? Um, well, I mean, you know, the noble thing would be to keep, but you know, that's one of those things that you'd end up in your pocket, and then you don't, you know, you forget what happened. Uh, to it. So, um, <laughs> pocket I, I baby Jesus goes away by mistake. Respectfully handle. Exactly. I should reassess. This is a good. I'm glad you brought this up. I, I re- reassess how I treat 
the baby from this point forward. I should do it in a much uh, more uh, respectful manner. I never thought about the very question until this morning, and I'm so glad I asked because that's a great answer. D.C. Reeves, uh, good luck today in the meetings and all the stuff that you're doing in D.C. We'll look forward to talking to you again next week, sir. Thanks so much for the time. All right, guys. Thanks so much.